You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. We are on day five of an episode every single day. I don't know where this one's going to go, so let's just wing it here. Um, one of my clients lives in D.C. He was the one who gave me that leadership thing I read off a few days ago. He hit me up, and he recently uh, graduated college. And so he's like, why don't you do an episode um, about young people getting into addiction recovery? And then I've got a couple other clients that are actually in college, and one is taking his life by the fucking horns and just demanding more of himself and pushing himself to reach new heights of self-awareness. And another one is uh, lacking a substantial amount of personal responsibility and just thinks the world should be handed to him on a platter. And I can get really emotional thinking about that period of time in my life, um, I had my head really far up my ass and I had this, you only live once fear of missing out mentality. I had to experience everything had to be insane. It had to be exotic, had over the top, you know, living in Orlando and, and, you know, uh, living in the rave community and dating a professional dancer. Well, I don't know. Trying not to say stripper, but that's what she was, and I was an ecstasy cocaine dealer. So uh, I drove a Beamer, and she drove a three thousand GT. I had my hair dyed blonde and put glitter in it a lot. Um, <laughs> um, I lived on the uh, I lived on the edge, to say the least, in Orlando, and that was between Ball State University and um, University of Florida. And Ball State's where I got into LSD, and you know, there it was just you know. Uh, women and drugs and University of Florida wasn't much better, except it was just a lot more alcohol. And I was just so up my own ass. And this is why I don't get on the pulpit about this, because I understand the idea, uh, the feeling of this fear of missing out, of you only living once. Because here I am at 47, you know, with a mortgage and a lawnmower, and I read up on... (laughs) weed eaters. And I talk about interesting ways to putting lights on your house for Christmas time without having to use a staple gun. Like I get at some point you just sort of get into that adulting 101. I mean, for me, it's 101. I'm sure other people at my age is probably into like the 404 level classes, but I'm still down here at the rudimentary level. So I get it. I do. I'm not going to sit here, and if you're one of these young people or if somebody directed you to this show, I'm not going to sit here and shovel a bunch of shit. I get the idea that you want to throw down, that you want to be able to look back and say that you had these amazing stories. You you don't want to live the Al Bundy life where you feel like you peaked in high school, so you want to do it all up in college, and you want to have a great time. I'm not oblivious to the fact that there is that desire within um, humans to have experiences before they quote-unquote get too old to have them. Now, somebody is at 47 who will still drive, you know, six hours to go see a concert, get in his car and drive six hours back home the same day, I 
I create these opportunities for myself to still live the high life, but I just do it without alcohol and drugs. And I'm sitting here, uh, I've been doing two-a-days now. This is day two of two-a-days. So I'm, I'm slowly integrating these new habits into my life. And so one of them was doing an episode every day. I just, fuck it, let's commit to that. Let's find that time. So then I thought, okay, well, that's great. Uh, that's helping me with my mental and my emotional, because I really do use you guys as a bit of my own therapy. Don't think I don't get something out of this. Um, so then I thought, okay, well, what can I do physical? Got these last six pounds to release. I've already been kicking it up 10,000 steps a day. I think I'm somewhere in the 40s now of days in a row. And now I've been hitting these workouts at home. I was like, let's do two a day. So I just got done doing my second workout of the day. And I'm watching on YouTube an Armin Van Buren live from the Untold Festival 2023, which is in Romania. And before I literally got on this microphone, I was Google searching how much it would cost for me to fly to this festival next year in Romania. And they keep spanning the crowd and showing everybody in there. And it's very obvious the ones who are gnawing on the sides of their jaw and tripping and rolling versus the ones who are just there with the music. And again, I front nobody about how they decide to go to a festival, but there are also a lot of them, you can tell, are in their 20s. And I get there's this desire to have those moments. It's not like you still can't go to a festival like this when you're in your 30s and 40s. You just might have to create the time for it uh, with a little bit of forethought versus in your 20s when you have less, uh, let's just say, responsibilities. Because you might be in school or you might have a job that isn't quite demanding as a career would be. I don't know. I can come up with a million hypotheticals. Just roll with me here on this, okay? So I get all of that. Now, the question I propose to you is... Why? Why must you throw down so hard? For me, it was because I was lonely and I was sad and I didn't think anybody wanted to be my friend if I wasn't rolling hard with the drugs and the alcohol and throwing parties at my house four days a week. I wanted to be the life of the party. I knew what it was like to be a wallflower, to be ignored, to be bullied. I moved from house to house to house, from city to city in my childhood. I have no long-term childhood friends. I wanted to create long-lasting friendships in school, and I decided that my best way of doing that was through alcohol and drugs. Now, mind you, out of those hundreds of people I used to call my friends during the era of my life, there might be 10 of them that I still continue contacting on a regular basis, and maybe three that I would t- say I talk to every month or two. So eventually you grow out of that phase, you go off, you have kids, you have a mortgage, you have a career, you have all that stuff. So, But going back to what is your why? Why are you doing it? Why are you pushing yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into the to the addiction. Because at any point in time, you can choose to stop. You can choose to find those human needs met through other areas. If I wanted certainty or love and connection and significance in people's lives, I could just as easily have gone to class and found that in classmates. I could have gotten more involved at the university. I could have actually sat around with my friends and talked about our hopes and dreams in a way that actually made them sound like they could happen, not you know, four hours in to a bunch of things up our noses <laughs> because... <laughs> You make up a whole lot of shit whenever you're high that you're never going to fulfill when you're sober. But certainly when you're sober, you at least have some sort of jurisprudence around what is significantly more tangibly attainable. And so now I realize this episode's going off the hinges. At least it sounds like it whenever I listen to myself talk. I can't begin to understand 
what happened in your childhood, the pain, the suffering, and all of that jazz. I get it. I had that. My mom's shitty sheets, almost dying of Crohn's, you know, my, my stepdad not giving me the love that I wanted, throwing the football to myself, the loneliness, the, the, no friends. The, I, I get all of that. That That's real. It's it's it, it happened to me. I can't say that it didn't. How I choose to think about that, feel about that, see that in my mind now is I've chosen to change it and you can too. One of the number one regrets people have on their deathbed is that they didn't love enough. They didn't spend enough time with the people that they cared about. That they didn't take more risks. And these aren't the kind of risks where it's like, hey man, why don't we throw this bowling ball off the fraternity house roof and see if it'll (laughs) smash through Bo's window. Yes, it will. And yes, he'll be pissed off about that. We're not talking about stupid risks. We're talking about the risks where you walk across the room and you introduce yourself to somebody that you've been wanting to meet. We're talking about going out there and getting that new job if that's what you desire because you believe that you're worthy of more than your current situation is allotting for you. We're saying go out there and do something that puts yourself outside your comfort zone. That's the kind of risk these people on their deathbed are talking about. And I can't help but think of how many different pathways I don't even realize I closed the door on in my 20s and 30s, simply because I chose to leave something early because I wanted to drink more, um, or because I didn't even go because I was wasted. I have no idea the butterfly effect alcohol and drugs had on my life. I just know what it actually took away from me. I have no idea all the hypotheticals that it also could have been taking away from me. You have a choice. Don't don't think that you don't. Don't blame it on somebody else. Oh, well, they did this, so I had to do that. Bull. That is all bull. I get social media is just a Back in the 80s and 90s, there was, a, there was this saying about keeping up with the Joneses. It was like trying to keep up with your neighbor. If they bought a new car, you had to get a new car. If they painted their fence, you had to get a new fence. If they got an RV, then you had to go out and get one that flew. That was a thing back then. It was much easier to just keep up with the people in your cul-de-sac back then. Now, we've got social media that makes you think you've got to keep up with every freaking person on the planet. And I'm seeing thousands upon thousands of people at this Untold Festival, and I'm like, what life did they create for themselves that they get to be there? I want to be there. Why don't I get to be there. And I could get all angry and judgy and pissy because I'm not at the Untold Festival, which you know happened four months ago, but you get my drift here. All of these things are happening now and we're comparing ourselves and we're judging ourselves based off of what other people have. And then we question to ourselves, why don't we have it? Here's the kicker. A lot of people think they want what they see on our smartphones, but they don't really want it. If they had it, they would be pissed off that they had to deal with it, or they wouldn't be willing to put in the work in order to attain it, let alone sustain it. I cannot tell you how many people I have coached who's been like, I want to make a million dollars. All right, well, let's discuss how we're going to do that. Let's start laying out a plan. We start getting into the laying out the plan. They're like, no, 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 I don't want to have to work that many hours a week. I don't want to have to be away from home that often. I wouldn't just, I just want to set up a drop ship company on Amazon and just start raking in the money. Well, then you should have done that in 1996. The point is, is that a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work let alone even begin to stretch their thinking beyond what they already know they're capable of. You're going to have to step outside your comfort zone, but you do not have to consider part of that stepping out of your comfort zone to be the judging and the ridiculing of yourself because you don't have the things other people have. 
I hit 40 and something just clicked and all of a sudden I just didn't really give a shit what people thought about me anymore. I really, 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 really wish I could somehow bottle that up, send it back in the Marty McFly time machine and be able to give that to myself at 20 years old. How differently would I have acted then not caring about the way people thought about me? How differently could my life have turned out if I would have stopped wondering how everybody was perceiving me and just wondered how I was perceiving me? Because I was not happy with that person looking back in the mirror. I just didn't want to do any of the work that was required to change it. You're in an enviable position if you're in your youth to be able to seize the day. And I'm not going to sit here and blame this that I didn't have the internet and I didn't have the technology you did because I wasn't oblivious to that there was other, uh, let's just say, parallel universes I could have slapped myself into. I could have stopped drinking and doing drugs and gone over to the University of Florida television production side of the of Weimer Hall and said, hey, instead of being a print journalist, I really want to be a TV journalist. I could have changed my major and done that. I could have taken those same classes that I see, you know, the Pablo Torres and uh, what's that one? She does the sideline reporting uh, for the Fox um, I can't remember her name now. Anyways, I'm pretty sure she does it with Joe and Buck. Um, but I mean, she was, they went to university of Florida. They literally went to the same school as me. I could have slapped myself over into there and I chose not to, I chose to continue just doing what I was doing. And you are in a position where if you're even remotely considering some of the things that I talk about on this show, then you're already in a state of mind where you're wanting more from yourself. And if you're cycling back in over and over and over and over and over again into the addictive substances, into the porn, into the sex, into the gambling, like I, I understand, I understand the desire to want to have lived a life so that when things do become more burdensome or just heavier, you know, as you get older and more responsibilities come to you, you can look back on your 20s and say, well, at least I lived it then. But I'll tell you, as somebody who's 47 now, who's still, you know, trying to get themselves out of a debt that, you know, occurred during the pandemic or that occurred during my addiction, still trying to pay off student loans from a degree I finished in 2006, that all those amazing memories of throwing it down and partying hard, they all just get jumbled into like one one main theme. Yeah, there'll be some that stick out that are funny stories to tell now, but that's all they are. It's funny stories to tell. There's not an accomplishment there. I don't get to walk around and say, wow, isn't that amazing all the things I achieved in University of Florida? No, it's like, wow, I once drank every single day for three straight years. That's not an accomplishment I'm hanging my hat on at 47. And it's not one that you will be either whenever you get older. But certainly in your youth, it feels like one worthy of hanging your hat on today. Normally, I, by this point, I started giving you guys action steps. And this is more of a philosophical one. I, I've, I should have told you at the beginning, I got myself a little bit emotional before I even hit record on this. Not from Google and the Romanian, um, not from Googling the Romanian <laughs> festival, although there are certainly reasons to get emotional watching Armin Van Buren perform. Um, you know, I've been introducing so many different inputs into my life since I started getting my master's. Um, I got to give a shout out to Detroit and, and Augustine via Salem for introducing me to philosophize this and such stoicism. Um, I've taken on some new clients who obviously present new perspectives to me, um, has 
someone who's learning how to become a therapist and also at the same time being a life coach, a business coach, and a recovery coach. Certainly, I'm, I'm already taking a lot of what I'm learning and putting it into practice. Um, you know, I've been listening um, to so many different audiobooks and okay, I'm just where I'm trying to go with this is that today um, somebody sends me a, a reel and so I just start scrolling what's past the reel. And I came across Michael J. Fox and he's got Parkinson's disease and he's doing this interview with Jane Pauley and he talks about how if you have gratitude, then you can maintain optimism. And if you can just find something to be grateful for, then that can carry you forward every single day. And I know gratitude's something hard to grasp. It doesn't sound tangible. What is you know, what is this idea of gratitude? I, I'm sur- not surrounded, but there are people in my life on a day-to-day ba- basis I come across who live in nice homes with multiple cars in the garage and a pretty okay job and a pretty good life considering, you know, what it could be, I suppose, who seem to lack some level of just gratitude for what it is they have. It, it seems like they are, their knee-jerk response is to complain about what other people are doing or what other people have. And for me, I just look around and I think about, if I want to be grateful about something, I just think about, well, what if I didn't have my laptop? Or what if I didn't have my exercise bike or my computer? And those are objects. But that's what gets me grounded into the gratitude, being grateful for these things I have, because to me, they represent my effort. They re- they they represent the hard work in order for me to be able to afford these things. And then from starting with these objects, and I get it, it's just this my system, you're going to have yours. Then I can start to expand and start thinking, well, how how can I be grateful for the people around me? There's a lot of people in my life that support me that don't necessarily support me the way I want to be supported, but they support me the way they know how to support. And if you're well-read and you've ever heard of five love languages, then you understand that the goal is to support somebody the way they want to be supported. But we can't just magically snap our fingers and have everybody be that level of emotionally intelligent to say, well, how would you prefer I support you? And then them do that. They've got their own lives. They've got their own needs and wants and desires. You've got to understand that when it comes to gratitude, like you just have to choose to experience it. And you can choose in your 20s to begin experiencing gratitude and thankfulness and just look around and say, wow, like I may not have everything I want, but I have the things I have. And how can I choose to be grateful for the people who've supported me to this point? How can I be grateful for the the things that I have in my possession that mean a great deal to me, that make my life run smoothly, or they're just enjoyful to behold and look at. I see Michael J. Fox and his deterioration, and it breaks my heart because when I was a kid, he was Michael P. Keaton in Family Ties. He was, you know, Back to the Future, Marty McFly. He was Teen Wolf. You know, he was just, I just thought, man, this is somebody I'm going to get to watch the rest of my life. He's funny. He's hilarious. I can't wait to see what this guy does, you know, whenever he's older. And he's not that much older than I am. And it just watching that and just hearing that he's grateful and the way that he said it. And then I scroll past it. And this is the part that got me super emotional is 
And again, this is just a Jesse episode. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Just go with me on this. I came across this um, this post, and it's got this little boy in a yellow shirt, and he's holding this little white dog in his arms. And um, the dog is going to die, and I'm assuming that I'm put, I'm building some of the pieces of this, but we once had to put our dog to sleep, Jen's dog, a couple years ago, and we had these people come over to our house and do it in our home so that it wouldn't be at a vet and wouldn't be so sad and cold there. And so I'm watching this little boy with this little puppy dog in his arms, and he starts singing this song to him. And so many emotions went through me when I saw this. I've watched it over and over again, and all this episode just started to build from really from this this reel specifically. And one of the first thoughts I had was that I hope that I have somebody next to me during my last breath that cares this much about me that just breaks into this song. It's like I think I saw you and just singing about stars, and I mean it's just wrenching me right now, and it's. I was never going to find that in addiction. I was never going to find that kind of love. I, I, just, I was not going to find this level of emotion to care this much about watching this little boy watch his little best friend die. And what life are we living allowing ourselves to be choked the fuck out by some inanimate object we think is going to bring us some kind of solace from our emotions and our suffering and our trauma? We're being choked out like that tree in the metaphor the other day with the Georgia moss or Bart Simpson by, you know, getting choked out by his dad. Addiction is choking us out. It's suffocating us. It is destroying our lives. And the worst thing about it is that we know it's doing it. We know it's doing it. And why this little boy singing to this dog has got me so emotional. I mean, I've, buried 15 dogs in the, in my day. I mean, you know, from Odie to Hoagie to Rover to Spot to Maze and Canada and Foxy and Butch and Jose and Pepe and and God, my brain's starting to swirl now, but I'm sure there's a few more. And um, then the cats, Fat Boy and the Brat and Nermal. I mean, we lived on a farm. You know, we had to put down our, pig, our pigs, Squiggy and Linny uh, one time and <laughs> You don't live on a farm and not experience death in a very visceral way. And I just, I guess, I don't know. I don't. I just don't know sometimes. It's like we're not blind to what's happening around us. We're not oblivious to this. There's cravings and there's suffering and there's trauma and there's this desire to run from our emotions. Or we could just break into song as we watch our best friend die. It's it's a choice how we feel. It's a choice in our actions. It's it's so complex, the human spirit. And at the same time, there's a simplicity to the fact that we can just say no more. We can just say no more. We can just choose a different path. And 
it got said in the tribe the other day that, you know, somebody told them, well, we'll just stop using. And, and yes, just stopping is, <laughs> you just put the beer down, put the weed down, put the Coke down, put the Kratom down. You just, okay, sure, just put it down and walk away from it. It's everything that happens after the stopping. And whether you're 20 years old and your whole life is ahead of you and you can't even fathom being in your late 20s or early 30s and having a mortgage and kids, and let alone, I must sound like an old geezer windbag on his pulpit, or even thinking about your last breath and whether somebody will be sitting next to you singing this song about stars and thinking that they saw you and it just, and just you could have everything in front of you and just be oblivious to the fact that life is so finite. It's beautiful. It's it's philosophical. It's psychological. It's physiological. It's all of them. It's all the ologies and ologies and isms that you can think of. It's every one of them. And we don't really know what's after all of this, but I do know that this is the one turn that Jesse gets on this rock. And yeah. He did a lot of fun stuff in his 20s and 30s that he thought would matter to him in his 40s and 50s that he thought would fuel him. But it's not. I mean, it certainly fuels this show. I mean, it certainly helps me whenever I'm you know, looking at ways of building rapport and relating with people who are also in addiction. But it's none of those stories matter. The old friends I used to throw down with, we're not sitting around talking about those old good old days, sitting around playing Guitar Heroes or, you know, Madden 2006 with, you know, or NCAA 2000, would have been four, five, six, seven when TiVo was on the team. Like, we're not sitting around talking about that stuff now. Yeah, we'll reference it and we'll get a couple good laughs off of it, but that's not the meat of our conversations. We matured beyond that and you will too. The choices you make today become the habits you contend with tomorrow. And when I see Michael J. Fox, you know, being grateful for the life he's led, even though many people would not want to trade places with him, or I see this little boy singing the best friend a song as he passes away, I just think that life is beautiful and it's amazing. And, you know, I wish I hadn't wasted so much of it. At the same time, I feel blessed to have woken up when I did because it's been beautiful ever since. You will do what you do. You will make the choices you make. I can get super happy or I can get super sad or I can get super cheerleady or I could be an asshole and just start yelling at you. It doesn't. It it's, it is whatever it is. None of that really matters. It's your choice to hear whatever you choose to hear from this and then make the decisions you choose to make. And if it means struggling with the cravings and the withdrawals and all of that stuff for another day or two or week or month in order for you to find something on the other side that gives you meaning, that that gives you hope, that, that brings faith and love and, and acceptance into your heart, forgiveness, it's out there. And yeah, we're walking through that deep, dark forest, you know, like Link and Zelda. Sometimes we come across it and we've got to battle a goblin in order to get to it. We've got to know which rock to throw a bomb at so that it opens up a secret passageway. But the answers are out there. And whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, it's never too late to make a different choice 
because you just don't know what pathway is going to open up when you do. But I can assure you, as someone who has talked with thousands upon thousands of people who spent years upon years in addiction, you will certainly regret all of the pathways that you've never had a chance to even find because you were too drunk to even bother to try. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. May they rest in peace. Glow on. I think I saw you. Much love, everybody. Bye-bye.